Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 18 of the podcast. The Niners have back-to-back wins after kicking the Jeff Garcia Hayden, Cam Newton wearing pants off the New England Patriots, made Bill Belichick fall right back into his sleeveless hoodie and never come out uh, to become the Sith Lord that he is. But today, after that win, we're going to look at this Sunday. We're not going to look back at the Patriots win. That's behind us. That is long gone. Four days ago, <laughs> however long it's been. We're going to look to this Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, I'll say it again. The Seattle Seahawks. It's Seattle week for Niner fans. It should be a national holiday, or at least a California holiday. Uh, but I don't know who's in charge of that, so it'll be a holiday just for us. Just me and you out there. Wherever you're listening, if you're in your car, if you're at home, uh, if you're exercising, I don't know what you're doing. But if you if you love my soothing voice, I really appreciate that. Uh, but it's Seattle week, and I am super excited uh, for this Sunday. Uh, this Niners game is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. has far-reaching implications. So we're going to talk about this Sunday's game against Seattle in Seattle. No fans. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry the 12th man. Can't be there for this one. Favors us. Uh, but the Niners, can they keep up with the Seahawks' high-powered offense? They have a great offense. Defense sucks, but a high-powered offense. The greatness, that is Brandon Ayuk. I will give you some stats that might blow your mind as to how good he's been thus far in his career. And every team wants these. Every team, well, needs these. That is the keys to stopping Russell Wilson. Niners, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not. But if you are, or if you have any connections to the Niners, and let's be clear, I'm sure they already know these things, but you may not, and that's important, right? I'm here to give you information so you know what to look out for on Sunday. And I'm here to share the information with you, because I love you. We're all faithful together, am I right? Anyways, the keys to stopping Russell Wilson. Week 8 against Seattle, the Niners are 4-3 and three coming off that win, 33-6 to six over the Patriots last week. Uh, I, I don't want to curse on this podcast, but uh, if I was Joe Pesci from Home Alone, I would say, we kicked the mudger off of them. We kicked their butt. Uh, the Patriots came in, thought they were going to, uh, some thought they were going to win. Uh, the Niners said, well, no, it's not going to happen. So uh, Niners won 33-6. to uh, Seattle's coming in 5-1. and They did lose their first game of the season last year in overtime to the Cardinals, 37-34. It was a great game. Uh, I just finished working at 95-7 the game. Uh, I saw it was like 21-10, 21-13 at halftime, whatever it was. Uh, came home, ate my dinner, and was like, and my friend texted me, and he goes, are you watching this game? It's like, no, I just got home. He goes, you need to turn the game on. <laughs> and so I turned the game on, and I'm like, oh my god. Like, I missed a ton of action from that commute from San Francisco uh, back to the East Bay. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened in between there, but but that that game was phenomenal. Um, and I know we say this every single week and have said this every single week going back to the Sunday's game against Seattle. This game is the most important game of the season. It just is. Uh, every single week, you know, the Rams game, the Patriots game, this week's game, I'm sure the game after this against the, uh, the, the Packers and the Saints, uh, and, and I guess not the Cowboys, but the Bills eventually, then Arizona again, and 
every single game from here on out is going to be the most important game of the season. Just is. They they are all pretty much must wins at this point because the Niners have the toughest schedule or like the the third toughest schedule going forward. So all these games are must win games. And this Sunday's game not only has uh, far-reaching implications in the NFC West standings, but also the NFC standings. Uh, who's the number one seed? Is it Seattle? Is it the Packers? Is it uh, the Buccaneers, who have looked phenomenal lately? Uh, the Gronk and TB12 connection is back. Uh, but at this point, <laughs> I mean, the Cardinals are 2-0 and against the Niners and Seattle combined. They're 2-0 and in the division. They beat both the juggernaut teams, you could say, in the division. So, are the Cardinals making a run to the top of the NFC West? I don't know. That's how crazy 2020 has been. But this Sunday, the entire season could flip right on its head. The entire season, all the injuries, all the failures against the Eagles and the Dolphins, all the nonsensical quarterback controversies that we talked about, we asked the question to experts, people who are connected What's going on with Garoppolo? We ask those questions for you, even for ourselves. I'll be honest here. I am a very selfish person. Uh, but but this Sunday, the Niners have to win. All that crap, all the, the losses, the injuries, the quarterback controversy, it all goes out of the window if the Niners win this Sunday. Because then they reclaim their spot near the top of the NFC West. They reclaim. This is their reclamation project at the moment. We have to re-establish ourselves. Last year wasn't a fluke. We all know that. We all know if Nick Bosa was there, Richard Sherman's there, Dee Ford's there. The list goes on and on and on and on. This team would probably be 5-1, five 5-2 and one, five and right now. They just would. If Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't miss the Eagles game. They win that game. But because all those things didn't go their way, they have to reclaim their spot, and they're slowly doing that. But again... They can do that and almost tie a nice bow on this thing by beating the Rams, by beating uh, Garoppolo's uh, homecoming return in New England, by beating the Patriots, by knocking off Seattle, who has been a pain in San Francisco's uh, behind in their butt, don't want to curse again, for years, since 2011. The entire season rides on this game. Knocking off Seattle, being 2-1 in the division, and knocking off Russell Wilson, and I don't want to say the, the top of the NFC, but pretty darn good team in the conference. And I genuinely think San Francisco has a great chance to do so. And that's where we're going to start. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the Seattle defense, I'm going to read you off a ton of stats here, so stick with me and also going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Seattle's defense may be the worst in NFL history. After allowing 519 yards to Arizona, the Seahawks have allowed the most yards through six games. 2,875. That is the most in NFL history in the first six six games of the season. Uh, Those stats are from ESPN. 
they've allowed the most passing yards per game, 368.7 per game. Talk about bad. <laughs> so if you're expecting Garoppolo to go out there and have another big game, uh, yeah. If he doesn't against this horrible defense, then we need to have a conversation about Garoppolo. And I talked about uh, last week with Mike Finn, and he was a great guest, by the way. Go check out that podcast uh, from, from last week. But I talked about how the Rams game was a reset game. It was the game to get Garoppolo's confidence back, throw him passes he, he can complete easily, uh, give him the short passes he can rely on, the yak bros to do their thing, uh, and it worked. We saw that confidence that was growing in the Rams game. He was making a small scramble, laying his shoulder down against a defender for seven yards, getting his team in field goal range. Uh, and we saw that confidence just burst out of him against the Patriots. Now, worse stats, great. In regards to touchdowns and interceptions, no, they weren't. Through two picks, although one is doesn't really count because it was a dumb halftime Hail Mary. Who cares? Context matters in the situation. But when you look at the first drive, Garoppolo was smiling. He faked out a defender for a first down on a third down. He, he marched his team down the field. And they scored a touchdown on the same defense, the same head coach he played for four years ago. That drafted him four or five years ago. He did that. He had to go out there and do that. What he, but he was able to do that. Not because he's Jimmy Garoppolo, but because they reestablished his confidence. If this is Garoppolo against the Cardinals, Garoppolo against the Dolphins, he doesn't do that. But because Shanahan, smartly, got his confidence up, led him into this Patriots game with that confidence, allowed him to feel himself a little bit. He was like, Mac Dre, I'm in the club and I'm feeling myself. That was really cringy, and I'm sorry, but I had to say it. Um, <laughs> um, but we saw that. And they scored a touchdown on that first drive. I think he was 7 for 7 for 68 yards, something like that. And uh, and Jeff Wilson had the touchdown, but still. Uh, and whatever you want to call him, Jimmy GQ, porn star Jimmy, whatever you want to call him, Jimmy Garoppolo is back. And if you're a defense, that should scare you. Because we saw what Jimmy Garoppolo can do last year. This isn't Cardinals Week 1 Garoppolo. This is the Jimmy Garoppolo we saw last year. That led this team to 13-3. and And again, will that happen this year? Probably not. Probably won't. We don't need that to happen. What we need is a win on Sunday to keep ourselves alive each week. Let other teams falter. Stay in games late. Let other teams falter. And Garoppolo is doing that. And Garoppolo looks like himself. People will say, well, he had no touchdowns and he had two interceptions. Well, would I have loved Jimmy Garoppolo to throw two touchdowns and no picks on Sunday against the Patriots? Yeah, I would have. More so because I had him in my fantasy team. <laughs> but uh, I would have loved for him to have two touchdowns no picks against his former head coach. Shove it down Belichick's throat even further. Because Belichick knows how good Garoppolo is. He wanted him to replace Tom Brady. That's how good he thinks Garoppolo is. He can win with Garoppolo. But now we have Garoppolo. And we're winning with Garoppolo. 
But because he didn't have the stats, people lose their mind even after a good win like they just had, 33-6. to But uh, I'll, I'll take 280 yards and a 80 completion percentage and a 79.6 QBR and a win. That is sufficient enough for me. Especially when he's moving the ball efficiently down the field. He's completing 80% of his passes, almost 300 yards. I don't need a touchdown. If we're ahead 25 to 6, 26 to 6, why do I need a touchdown? Just get the ball down the field. Let us add some more points. That's exactly what he's doing. He's, it's funny because it's almost like in baseball when the guy's on second base and there's nobody out. And the guy hitting bunts the guy over. Now, then the next guy comes up and he gets the RBI. Does that guy who bunted get any credit? They might say, oh, you know, clap our hands, good for you, you got the guy over and allowed us to score. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy who bunts the guy over. But in this case, he's allowing the running backs to get the RBI, to get the touchdown. And guess what? That guy who bunts is just as important to the guy getting the RBI to his team. And I'm pretty darn happy about it. And I'll reiterate this. Mike Finn last week said stats are for losers. Guess what? They are for losers. He said the only stat that matters is for winners. Now he took that from Bill Belichick. And it's a pretty darn good quote and pretty fitting considering we played them this past week. But all Garoppolo has to do is have the exact same game against the Rams, let the Yak Bros minus Debo Samuel do their job, but mix in some deep balls like we saw against the Patriots. Don't be afraid to take that shot against this awful Seattle defense. And guess what? Garoppolo can do just that. He's peaking at the right time. Just like last year, he peaked against the Packers in that first game, against the Saints. He peaked against Seattle in Week 17. It was pretty good. At that game in Santa Clara against Seattle. Had that team in position to win. Had uh, Chase McLaughlin, that was his name. The undrafted kicker not missed the field goal to win that game late. Let's not forget the context here. Garoppolo is on his game. Peaking at the right moment against Arizona in Arizona. He was pretty poor in the first half. But peaked again in that second Arizona game. Garoppolo peaks at the right time. I said this last week. When the lights are the brightest, Jimmy Garoppolo plays his best football. And we're seeing it again here. Don't forget, and I'm sure you haven't because they were awful, awful years to look at. Jimmy Garoppolo, last year, week 17, when he beat Seattle in Seattle, because Dre Greenlaw had that great tackle at the one-inch line and saved the season, saved the division for us. Jimmy Garoppolo was the first quarterback to win in Seattle since 2011 when Alex Smith beat Tarvarius Jackson. I'll repeat that. Jimmy Garoppolo, last year, Week 17, was the first quarterback to win in Seattle since 2011 when Alex Smith beat Tarvarius Jackson, the former Minnesota Vikings great who was leading a 7-9 team to the playoffs, carried by Adrian Peterson. <laughs> like, we couldn't, we have not beaten Russell Wilson ever in Seattle other than that one game. And guess who was the quarterback? It wasn't Kaepernick, who was great. It wasn't Smith, 
who was really good. It wasn't Blaine Gabbert, Troy Smith, all the other guys. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. And I have a ton of faith that this Sunday, he's going to do the exact same thing. Now, no fans. Definitely helps. Uh, We will see how Seattle plays that game. Their defense is awful. But there is one more thing here. And I previewed this earlier when the podcast first started. His uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, his connection with Brandon Ayuk is growing every single week. First, the Rams had a goal line touchdown. This past week against the Patriots, six receptions, 115 yards, and he caught Jimmy Garoppolo's first deep ball of the season. Just for context here, while the chemistry is growing, I want to give you uh, some stats about how good Brandon Ayuk has been. I'm going to give you uh, receiver A and then Brandon Ayuk. Okay, ready. Receiver A, 25 targets, 18 receptions, 5 carries, 224 total yards, and 2 total touchdowns in his first 6 games in the NFL. That is receiver A. Receiver B, which is Brandon Ayuk, through his first 6 games, 32 targets, 20 receptions, 4 carries, 349 total yards, and 3 touchdowns. Now I'll give you a little bit of time here. Who was receiver A? Receiver B's Brandon Ayuk. Who's receiver A? I'll give you two seconds. One. Two. I'll give you an extra one. Three. Receiver A is Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk. And this is no knock on Debo Samuel. He's great. He brings that dog mentality to this Niners offense. Brandon Ayuk has been better earlier in his career than Debo Samuel. And we love ourselves from Debo Samuel. That should not just make Niner fans excited, but that should scare opposing defenses. That Brandon Ayuk is outplaying Debo Samuel this early in his career. People want to compare the two together. That Well, they're kind of the same guy. I'm not going to say one is better than the other, but... Brandon Ayuk might be better than Debo Samuel. And we know how good Debo Samuel is. But if Brandon Ayuk can establish the same chemistry Garoppolo has with Samuel, then add in a deep threat, oh my goodness. I said last week that the Niners might have the best receiving and tight end trio since 1989-1988, Rice, Taylor, and Brent Jones. And I'll say it again. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, they will be potentially the greatest receiver and tight end trio since Rice, Taylor, and Brent Jones to suit up for the 49ers. That's how good they've been. And I've talked about Debo Samuel a tiny bit. I've talked about Brandon Ayuk a tiny bit. And I haven't even got to George Kittle yet. That's how good they are. So let's talk about George Kittle and how great he is. I think the one thing we have to look out for with Kittle, and this is really a topic of conversation every single week, no matter who we play, is who is going to guard George Kittle? Is it Isaiah Simmons in week one? It is, is it Blake Martinez in week two or, or, or week three? Like, this is always going to be a question as to who is guarding him. Is it Bobby Wagner? If it is, then... The middle of the field is wide open for Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne, 
maybe even Jermichael Hasty, possibly Tevin Coleman. He's might come back this week. If it's Jamal Adams, well, he's missed four games with a groin injury, and now he's sick, so he may not even play. But if he does play, if he is guarding George Kittle, then Seattle is putting their best pass rusher, who is a safety, <laughs> uh, they're putting him in coverage. Well, if you're the Niners, you say, well, thank you, <laughs> because you made my job a lot easier. And you are just, you're, you're, you're going right into what Kyle Shanahan wants. You are taking your best, your best pass rusher and saying, we're going to put you in coverage. And Shanahan's like, thanks, I'm licking my chops. Because I have this guy in the backfield, and Jermichael Hasty, who not only has been compared to Frank Gore and Maurice Jones-Drew, but people also think is Marshawn Lynch. So thank you, Pete Carroll. I will run at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl if I have to. Would you, Michael Hasty? Like, that's the danger Seattle's in right now. And the one thing Seattle has to do if they want to win this Sunday is get to Garoppolo. And they've already shown all season that they can't do that. Now, they did acquire Carlos Dunlap today, that being Wednesday of this of this week. But he cannot play due to COVID restrictions. So scratch him off the list. If you're looking at everybody but Carlos Dunlap, who will play this Sunday, their best pass rusher, who is not Jamal Adams, because he's a safety, is ranked 62nd out of 68 in the league. That is how bad Seattle is pass rusher-wise. They don't have anybody. I mean, I can go out there find a high school kid and say, do you want to play for Seattle? And I'm sure they'd find the exact same production. Now, Puna Ford's pretty good. Uh, the rest of these guys haven't done much. Bruce Irvin is out for the year, so I'm sure that hurts. But this Seattle team that you know we have known as Niner fans, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, this ain't it. This ain't them. Javion Clowney, who has been a disaster in Tennessee, he ain't there no more. Like, this Seattle team, as great as Russell Wilson is, they stink. <laughs> Like, their defense, they stink. They're not good. So, if this Niners team and Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and Ayuk don't have a game where the chemistry is high, the confidence is there, it's really going to make me question because there's no excuse that this Niners team, like I've already said, can't put up 28, 29, 30 points against this team. Like, this is going to be a high-scoring game, or at least should be a game where San Francisco at least scores 27 points, at least. Because this passing defense is awful. Seattle can't get to the quarterback. But there is one thing, and I'll admit, one thing does worry me here. And I already mentioned Tevin Coleman could return this week. Uh, he, The Niners open practice for him, and I'll give you an injury update towards the end of the show. He might come back. And I'm assuming Michael Hasty will still get the majority of the carries. Uh, Shanahan... We've heard the stories, I said them before, they're coming out now, that Shanahan and the Niners told beat reporters, do not talk about him, because teams are going to covet this guy, and we want to keep him. And uh, reports came out today that Hasty was given off for some other teams, one of them being uh, Matt Rule in Carolina, who he was, uh, he played under in, or at Baylor, and Hasty said, no. You want to know why? Because Jermichael Hasey might be the second best running back on this team. That's crazy. He's not Mostert level of good. But you give me Mostert, Hasty, 
Coleman, maybe Coleman, McKinnon, and Jeff Wilson Jr., and I'm set. Like, the, the rotation next year should really just be Mostert, Hasty, Jeff Wilson Jr., and you can find another guy somewhere. Like, that's how good Hasty's been. He can fill the hole that Coleman and McKinnon have left, either of having no production or being hurt the last few weeks. But I'm assuming Hasty's getting the majority of the roles, uh, or the, the carries on offense. And that means McKinnon is going to be this pass catcher, third down kind of guy, and that's okay. That's his role. He's getting paid the bet minimum. If that's what Shanahan wants to do, let McKinnon fill that role. You could also see Brandon Ayuk in the backfield. That should be fun, albeit we did see Debo Samuel back there last week, and that's the play he got hurt on. So maybe you don't run that play. But also, Kyle Shanahan, why are you up 20-something points in the fourth quarter and still playing your starters? Hey, maybe you don't do that, because <laughs> now a guy's hurt. Um, but anyways, back to the running game. Could see Kyle Juszczyk back there, going to get some juice, maybe in the red zone. We saw it against New England, but we saw it against the, the Dolphins. It's worked great both times. Uh, so there's a lot of different angles you can look at it here. But I'm not entirely sure, and I'm sure most Niner fans think this, that Tevin Coleman coming back from injury, and then Jerick McKinnon, who hasn't really shown much since week four against the Eagles. I'm not sure I'm sold on either one of them, but luckily for San Francisco, if Shanahan decides to go with three yards per carry on first down uh, with Coleman and then McKinnon, who can't even gain four yards a carry, uh, Seattle does allow 110.5 yards per game on the ground. That's great. And, added on to that, the Niners' offensive line, oh my goodness. I talked last week how they played better against the Rams, who Aaron Donald had no sacks. They played great against him. Damn, Brunskill played a phenomenal game against Aaron Donald. Well, they were lambasted before that Rams game, how bad they played against the Dolphins. They have stepped it up. Big time. The first five games of the year, They allowed 18 sacks and 48 quarterback hits. That is three sacks a game on average. And what is that? Nine quarterback hits a game. Talk about yikes. The last two games, one sack, only five quarterback hits. And they held Aaron Donald and Chase Winovich from New England, who's having an underrated year, to zero sacks in both those games. They held their best pass rusher with Aaron Donald and Winovich from New England to zero sacks in both games. Trent Williams, Blake and Tomlinson, Ben Garland, Hronis Grasu, Dale Brunskill, and Mike McGlinchey, congratulations. I don't know if you're back, but I think you're back. <laughs> like, you guys are playing great. You heard the criticism, you took it to heart, and you fixed it. And I've said it multiple times, and I will say it again. They are the key. They are the key to the offense. They have paved the way for 319 yards on the ground over the last two weeks, and one of those games was against the 7th-ranked rushing defense in the NFL, that is, the Los Angeles Rams. I think of, you know, this is going to be crazy to say, but I think instead of calling Jimmy Garoppolo a system quarterback, we need to understand that every player that plays in Kyle Shanahan's system is a system guy, is a system insert position here left tackle, tight end, receiver, running back, whoever it is. Like, Kyle Shanahan's system can plug in really anybody. Now, can that player make that system better? Yeah. Garoppolo makes Shanahan's system better. George Kittle 
definitely makes Shanahan's system better. Ayuk, Samuel, Trent Williams, McGlinchey, you can go on and on and on. These guys make Kyle Shanahan's system better. But these guys are system guys. They work well in the system. So what I'm saying here is that Hasty, Moster, Coleman, McKinnon, Jeff Wilson Jr., those are system running backs. And we already know this to a certain point, but I think it's good reiterated every once in a while that anybody who plays in Shanahan's system is a system guy. Just like if you play in Belichick's defense, you're a system guy in that defense. He can find anybody, and you'll play well there. Kyle Vanoy, uh, Winovich, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, go on and on and on and on. You're going to play well there. You're going to play well here in San Francisco. Like Kyle Shanahan has played games without Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Jimmy Brompola, Raheem Mostert, Wilson Jr., Coleman, Jordan Reed, and his offense still ranks fifth in rushing yards. Fifth! And 13th in passing yards. And the passing game is getting better and better. Because Garoppolo had a stinker against Miami and didn't play against the Giants and Eagles. You put Garoppolo in those games healthy, and oh my goodness, which is a different, this is a different offense here. We're talking about top 10 in both, if not top 5. Like, that's how good the system is working right now. And against Seattle, well, you best believe it's going to get better. By the end of the Seattle game, the Niners could have a top 10 passing offense and a top 3, top 5 continually rushing offense. That's how good it's been. But I don't want to sound like a homer. I'm a homer. No. I want to be clear here that Seattle's 5-1 for a reason. Despite everything we talked about so far, Seattle's 5-1 for one reason, really. And that's Russell Wilson. Through six games, Russell Wilson already has 22 touchdowns and over 1,800 yards. That's an average of 300 yards and almost four touchdowns a game. Talk about a one-man wrecking crew. It is Russell Wilson and nobody else. People want to say, Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback, and he's good. But Russell Wilson has been on another level this year. And going from Cam Newton to Russell Wilson this week might be the biggest jump production-wise this week in the NFL, if not of all time. <laughs> because going from, was it 89 yards, 93 yards from Cam Newton and no touchdowns and three picks to Russell Wilson, who is averaging 300 yards a game and four touchdowns? Like, come on. <laughs> like, they're not even comparable here. But that is going to be a huge jump. Don't expect these games to be similar whatsoever. I'm going to keep reading you off stats here. Uh, Wilson has the most passes over 40 yards with three. He has the most TD passes over 20 yards this year. And he also is the highest quarterback when trailing a game with a 94.5 PFF rating. And not to mention, staying on the PFF trail here, he's the second highest quarterback ranked out of the pocket with an 88 PFF rating just behind Aaron Rodgers. That is how good. And I say all this to tell you not only how great Russell Wilson is, but also the key to stopping him. And this is the one thing I want you to listen to. Hear my blabber the entire time. Jimmy Garoppolo, all the crap I've said to you so far. <laughs> this is the one thing I want you to take away. And I want you to look out for it on Sunday. Because if it doesn't happen, the Niners could very easily lose this game. Russell Wilson. Actually, in fact, Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks. 
rank 31st when it comes to third down conversions at 33.9%. The worst team in the NFL is the Jets. Seattle ranks just ahead of them for the worst third down converting team in the NFL, 33.9, pretty much 34% of the time. That is awful. And Russell Wilson, on third downs, has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, he's so great, he's so wonderful, the highest rated quarterback out of the pocket, or, or and the, the, the second highest rated quarterback in the NFL, he's great, 40 touchdowns, whatever it is, blah, 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 stats, stats, stats. On third down, after I've already told you stats don't matter, I'm going to tell you why they do matter here. <laughs> Russell Wilson, he's 17 for 38 on third down. If you can do math quickly, that is a 44.7 completion percentage. For 201 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and six sacks taken. If the Niners, and I want to be very clear here, want any chance to win on Sunday, it goes much further than slowing down Russell Wilson. They need to consistently get him to third down and let him fail on his own. He has shown no consistency on third down. He makes his money on first and second down. He's a home run hitting quarterback. He likes he, he doesn't like to have plays on third down. And would you blame him? But he's so efficient on first and second down that he can make up for a awful, the worst defense in the league. That's how good Russell Wilson has been on first and second down with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's how good they've been. Greg Olson, Chris Carson. They put together this offense that is dominating on first and second down. If you can get Russell Wilson in a 3-5, and five, in a 3rd and 6, that's where he gets in trouble. That's where he becomes a problem for Seattle because he has not shown, at least this year, to be able to convert on 3rd and long really on third down in general. And can San Francisco keep Russell Wilson from getting a conversion on first and second down? I think so. And that is really a testament to how good the secondary has played. Listen to this. Through their first seven games this year, the Niners have allowed eight touchdowns and forced eight interceptions. Now, that doesn't sound great when you think about it. Well, it's only one for one. It's not great. Take out that Dolphins game. The Niners have a 5-8 touchdown-to-interception ratio. That would rank them in the top five of the NFL. Take out this one ugly outlier of a game where everybody and their and their mother and father and their grandmother and their dog and, and their great-grand-uncle, cousin, whatever, criticize San Francisco, including me. I went harder than anybody at them. Take out that one game. Where we all lost our minds. The Niners have a top five secondary in the NFL. There is one other thing San Francisco is going to have to stop this week. Besides just Russell Wilson, but these two are connected because it's a receiver. <laughs> and it may not be here thinking about. You may think, well, DK Metcalf, and he's been phenomenal this year. He really has. But the Niners are going to have to stop the connection between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. In 2020, when Wilson targets 
Tyler Lockett, he has a 77 completion percentage rate, 542 yards, and 7 touchdowns. A third of his touchdowns are to Tyler Lockett. That's insane. <laughs> like, that is crazy. He he completes, he, he, he has almost a Jimmy Garoppolo-type completion percentage against the Patriots all year when targeting Tyler Lockett. That's how good their connection has been. And people want to hype up DK Metcalf, and I get it. That dude has been insane. He looks like Dennis Rodman physically and even with the hair and the piercings, but Julio Jones on the field, just crazy. But Tyler Lockett's the guy to focus on here. I think San Francisco can stop DK Metcalf. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to have an impact. Of course he will. He's DK Metcalf. But I think Tyler Lockett is a much more important receiver and a much more important person to focus on here. But luckily, San Francisco is going to get some help back, hopefully. Not only in the secondary to help lock up, well, no pun intended here, to lock up Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but also the offense. K1 Williams, one of the best nickel corners in the entire league who's had a knee injury. His practice window opened up. Kyle Shanahan, although he didn't practice today with the, the defense, said he has a chance to play on Sunday versus the Seahawks. Now, we got the report, I think it was last week before the Patriots game, that he was eyeing this week to come back. He has a good chance to play. He'll probably practice tomorrow, but you're listening to this tomorrow, so probably Thursday and Friday. Uh, I, I will tell you days instead of uh, the day after I'm talking. Um, Jordan Reed can also come back this week, a big tight end number two. Please, for the love of Jesus, whoever you praise, get get Ross Dwelly out of the passing game. Uh, and one other person, albeit he was limited today, is Kevin Coleman. I already mentioned him. But I think Seattle's injuries are much more important to look at here. Jamal Adams looking doubtful with a groin injury, and he's sick now. Chris Carson is a long shot to play after spraining his foot against the Cardinals. That's a huge loss. Carlos Hyde, the ex-49er, he's in Seattle now. He has a hamstring injury. He's listed as questionable. Starting guard and former 49er, Mikey Apati, he didn't practice today, which is Wednesday again, with a back injury and top cornerback Shaquille Griffin. He's in concussion protocol and is also questionable. So I'm looking here and that, what is that? One, two, three, that's four starting players already. They had seven who didn't practice today or were limited. So I guess for the first time, despite not having Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert playing, the injuries are somehow on the Niners' side, maybe? I don't know how smart that is to say because I obviously want everyone to get healthy. I want no one to be hurt uh, despite me not being a Seahawks fan and utterly hating their entire guts. <laughs> I want them to be healthy and well because I do love seeing them play when we're not playing them. Uh, but the injuries for San Francisco, who are the most injured team in the NFL with 20 players on IR this year, we might have something to celebrate <laughs> if that's even possible. Um, anyways, Here's here's some more stats that might give you some more optimism on top of the keys to stopping Russell Wilson, how good Garoppolo has been in his confidence, and Brandon Ayuk and their connection, and even George Kittle. The Niners are 2-8 in their last 10 trips to Seattle. 
but they are 1-0 in the Garoppolo era. The Niners also happen to be 5-0 in their last, well, five away games. Dating back to last season versus the Saints in the Superdome in San Francisco this year has been a better team on the road. Now I get it. They played the Jets. They played the Giants. They played the Patriots. But they have scored more touchdowns. Garoppolo has played more efficiently. And the running game has averaged almost 6.5 yards a carry on the road. One of those games, actually two of those games, Raheem Mostert was not even there. Tevin Coleman, well, he hasn't played in any of those games. Besides the Jets game, but no one really cares about that game. (laughs) Um, And I say all this to say, as we end today's show, I believe the Niners are peaking at the right time. And they are playing a team sulking right after their first loss of the season with a roster that is dealing with major injury issues. Now, is it a tall order to go into Seattle and beat Russell Wilson? Yes. Yes, it is. You you really cannot shut down Russell Wilson. Even Arizona, who picked him off three times last week, that game went to overtime. That is how good Russell Wilson is, and also how bad Cliff Kingsbury is as a coach, not calling for a field goal, then calling timeouts. Whole different story. But anyways, that is how good Russell Wilson has been. Despite three picks, he has his team likely should have won that game had it not been for an offensive holding call. That's how good he's been. That is how great he is. But I do believe the Niners can at least limit him to where he's not going to be this overarching figure in this game where it's not going to come down to a one-inch line. This defense for Seattle is so bad, and the Niners' defense is playing so well. They're a top-five pass coverage team. Fred Warner is the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. All-pro Fred. Yeah, he's fifth in defensive player of the year odds. That's how good he's been. Even with no pass rush. Barrett looks great. Mosley was phenomenal last week. Tarvarius Moore. Me and Grant Cohn talked about it before the year started, saying Jamal Adams and Tarvarius Moore are way better than Tart and Ward together. And Tarvarius Moore, in one start, has looked better than Jimmy Ward has all season. I don't know if it was a fluke or he's the answer. Granted, Cam Newton was awful. But Tarvarius Moore looks amazing. And I want to see more of him on the field. This defense for San Francisco looks so darn good. And they're playing a really good offense. And again here, San Francisco is strong at all the aspects that Seattle is weak at. You you get it? San Francisco has really good yak receivers. Seattle is really bad in pass coverage. Garoppolo has his confidence back. Seattle is really bad in pass coverage. They have George Kittle. Who's going to guard him? He's a mismatch. Yeah, no Debo Samuel, but Jermichael Hasty. almost nobody has a film on him. He's going to be a mismatch. The offensive line is playing better. Seattle has no pass rush. Seattle is really good at passing the ball. San Francisco has a top five passing defense. Chris Carson might not play. Carlos Hyde might not play. Travis Homer might be the starting running back. If we're talking about the Niners rushing defense being the worst part, but Seattle has their third string running back in, this is a good thing for the Niners. We're talking about, I don't want to say an automatic win, but a should-be win in a must-win game. I'll tell you this right now. This Sunday, 
the Niners can steal a win versus Seattle. They can be 5-3, and three, putting them right back in the middle of the NFC West, right where they should be. They're in the hunt. And soon, if they can win against Seattle, they can go into Green Bay with some confidence. A team they just destroyed two times last year, albeit Aaron Rodgers is playing great. They can be 6-3. and three. The Saints look bad this year. They can be 7-3. and three. Then, oh my goodness, the Niners are leading the pack once again. Without Nick Bosa. Without D Ford. Without Richard Sherman. Without Raheem Mostert. The list goes on and on and on. This team is peaking at the right time. So my final score prediction for Sunday is 30-24. The Seahawks are going to get theirs, but their weak defense... It's going to let them down. Russell Wilson's not going to be able to kill this Niners offense like he you know, has done everybody else. With no Chris Carson, maybe. No Carlos Hyde, maybe. The rushing game is weak. It's going to be Russell Wilson versus the Niners defense. The, the Niners have the matchup here. They have the odds in their favor. They may come in an underdog, but every single match that we've talked about today, who has been the winner? Who looks like they should be uh, the victor? San Francisco. The Niners are going to go into Seattle. They're going to win the game. And they're going to be 3-0 in this gauntlet. And this gauntlet conversation will be, oh my god. I think San Francisco, who Mike Finn said last week he called the gauntlet, we could see the same thing again this year. I cannot wait for Sunday, as you can already tell. Seahawks week is, is basically a holiday, for me at least, as I will be screaming my head off at 95.7 The Game in the studio, yelling, come on, are you serious, what are we doing, and yelling touchdown, and, and screaming as loud as I can, but let's get this dub, let's get this win against the Seahawks, until then, if you're wanting your Niner news and your updates, well, here's the selfless social media plug for you, follow us on Instagram, at 49ers.access. Follow us on Twitter at 49ers underscore access. And don't forget to like, to share, to subscribe, to leave a review, and tell all your Seahawks fans they suck. And until next time, I'm Shirley Bennett, and stay faithful. For all the fans around the world that hate the freaking Seahawks.